0: Up great skill from the what a finish! What pure class from the English
1: Premier Talk, The English Premier League podcast for the fans.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Premier Talk podcast. This is episode three of season three. I'm one of your two hosts, as always, Andrew Mello. Alongside with me is my boy Danny B, Danny Barbuto. Daniel, no Premier League match day uh, this week. International break, some crazy fixtures, some crazy results. Nuts. Daniel, I want to know what you think about it.
1: I'm excited for another episode. Excited to talk about international break. As always, international break is the greatest thing ever. Second behind just regular club matchup, especially in the Premier League. But it's exciting. You get to support your country, wherever you're from in the world. And it's great. Great soccer, as
0: always. Daniel, I want to just show off my bling here real quick. For those of you who don't know, I'm a champ now. That's what they call me now. I'm known as the champ. He's a Premier but League champ. I'm a Premier League champ. Uh, we, won the, we won the final in dramatic fashion in pens. I scored the tie in gold, make it 2-2. It wasn't the best of goals, but, you know, I left foot, weak foot, put it in the back of net off a corner. And then uh, you know your boy stepped up to take a penalty shot. Calm, cool, collected. I did the little Bruno Fernandez run up.
1: Bruno Fernandez. Goal,
0: goalkeeper dived the right way, but still no chance. And uh, yeah, your boy's a champ. So shout out, shout out to the squad. Shout out to Sporting, bro. Respect. <laughs> Respect Sporting. <laughs> yeah, that's my, my Twenty one club. So
1: starting lineup for you guys today. Going to be a good one as always. We're going to start us off with a nice international break recap.
0: Uh, we're going to go to managers on the hot seat, Daniel. That's what the episode of this, uh, the title of this episode is relating to. It's only at the wheel question mark. You know, where's it going to be? Where's it going to end up?
1: We're going to look at our match day eight predictions for next week.
0: And then we're going to talk about our best fantasy picks. Daniel, international break recap. Let's get right into it.
1: Starting us off, international break recap. We got our Nations League. That was taking place right at the beginning of international break. Nations League final probably the biggest match of all of the international break because it actually meant something. We had France versus Spain. France took this one 2-1, crowning them the second champion of uh, the Nations League. And it was a controversial win because Mbappe scored a goal late in the game. That was, he was in an offside position. It clipped Eric Garcia. However, Eric Garcia did not feel this way. He felt that he, he didn't touch the ball at all. Very controversial from VAR. VAR looked at it and they deemed it to be a goal. Nuts, Andrew. What do you think?
0: I'm thinking that Portugal did it first. They put the flag down first and they (laughs) conquered it first. But no, I'm just joking. It was it was a it was a great game to watch. It was a very intense game, a back and forth game. Spain had the lead and France came back. Uh, It it was a really good game. And and one thing I want to highlight is uh, uh, Julian. Uh, I'm probably butchering the name, but he uh, plays, plays his club football for Monaco. I watched the highlights. I wasn't able to watch the game live, unfortunately. I missed a great game. Uh, but I was watching him, uh, you know, command that midfield because Conte's out due to COVID. So he got the start. It's his first ever uh, caller from the national team. Uh, very young player, very great, uh, talented midfielder there. And he, he looked amazing alongside Pogba. Um and, and there's obviously rumors now. People are trying to say that he, he might go to United. United's interested. I think that'd be a great move. Um, I think that's the missing piece for United there in the midfield. Uh, Fred's not that guy. McTominay's not that guy for me. It's, it needs to be a guy like Gheleon uh, uh, Tuchemani to, to command that midfield. And they look great together. Um, they look very comfortable together. And um, it, was, it was one of their only starts together. And uh, they look fantastic. So um, him and Pogba could really be a nice deal there in the midfield for United. If they manage to... Uh, you know, splash some cash again in January and pick him up. He's a
1: great young midfielder. He's only 21 years old. United are looking for somebody to play that defensive role in their midfield. I think he would be the man. Of course, I love young talent. So seeing him already getting called up to the French international team, that's a very difficult team to make. That can't be understated because that French has plenty of talent throughout all of Europe. And he comes out in the finals of Nations League, does a phenomenal job, and they end up winning. Talking about, we're going to move to Italy versus Belgium. This was a third place game in Nations League. Italy did win this one 2-1 with uh, Italy scoring both. Forza Zuri! They were at 2-0, and then um, Belgium scored to try to spur a comeback, but it didn't turn out that way.
0: Daniel? Qatar, obviously, the host nation of the next World Cup in twenty twenty two. They're mm-hmm. one of the. They obviously automatically qualified. Germany uh, was the first team to do so throughout this window uh, of the international break. They qualified with their wins, uh, and then Denmark. Denmark's been fantastic, Daniel. Um, their, their manager, Casper uh, Humland, and um, that's a hard name for me to pronounce. Another one, but uh, he's been fantastic. He helped them and lead and led them to a semifinal. Uh, appearance in the last Euro Cup, which was which was fantastic. No one ever thought they would have been able to do that, especially after uh, the the traumatic incident uh, with Eriksson in the first match against Finland and losing that match as well. Uh, they made it there to the semis. That was an impressive uh, performance from them in that tournament and an impressive campaign. And they're continuing it uh, here in the in the qualification for the twenty twenty two World Cup. Daniel, eight wins in eight matches. That's that's an impressive stat there, and um, they've just been. Bossing the teams they played in. They finished off their the international break this week with a one 0 win against Austria. Top performance.
1: This Denmark team is incredible. Like you said, since that Ericsson, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a tragedy because who knows when he will play football again for his interside. But they've been phenomenal since then. They made it to the semis in the Euros. And now look, like you said, eight and 27 goals for zero against. Absolutely nuts. That that's averaging them just under three goals a game, yeah. no goals against phenomenal backline from this Denmark side. And I'm excited to see them in the world cup next year. I think they're going to be a great team to watch. They're obviously very exciting because they're not scared of these big teams. Like we saw in the euros. Um, I'm ready to watch them really ready to watch them.
0: Yeah. I know they don't really have that guy, that superstar on the team. They just have a lot of hardworking players with a lot of passion and uh a lot of energy for their, for their home uh, for their homeland. And uh, you see that through guys like Christiansen. You see guys through like Meher that plays on the uh, or Mala, uh, uh, pardon me, that plays uh, along the flank. So guys like that that really put in a shift every time they're out there and give it their all for their for their uh, country. And uh, they're, they're guys that that make the difference. So that's why they, that's why they've had the success they've had. Very organized team.
1: Andrew, how do you feel? Ronaldo breaking the record, most international hat tricks with ten. New record. It's incredible for Ronaldo to have 10, 10
0: hat-tricks in a national play, by the way. Did it against Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about this? Oh, this was a statement game from uh, Portugal. You know, they usually have trouble with these smaller countries. I know Luxembourg is a, is a tiny country, but they, they've they been doing quite well this uh, this uh, round of qualification. Uh, and Portugal slapped them 5-0. It was a great performance. They got the goals early on, two penalties from Ronaldo. There were two obvious and clear penalties uh, Ronaldo had to take one, even because uh, uh, Andres Silva entered the box prematurely before he took the kick, so he had to redo it. He still scored. Um, it was just another top performance from Ronaldo, leading his country, um, doing what he does best. And it just, it's just—it's go- it's goat things, Daniel. This is what a goat does. And uh, I, you know, I love Messi, and we always go back to this conversation, Messi versus Ronaldo, this and that. But the difference for me is that Ronaldo's done it for his country, and he does it on. Numerous occasions, and he's always that guy in big moments. So that's that's what really sets them apart for me. And uh, Ronaldo, once again, just doing good things. Talking about
1: goat, I'm gonna refer to my goat here, just because he also did have a great international break as well. He was announced with the most international goals for Argentina uh, during this ant- international break. Again, he played fantastic alongside Ronaldo. Two goats, two undisputed goats. They're probably go down as two of the best players to ever live. I think they're already there. I don't even, I think they've solidified themselves as one and two. Obviously the argument is who's one, who's two. They're both up there. It's phenomenal that we've had the opportunity to watch them as they've progressed through their prime years. And I don't think we'll ever see anything like this ever again where it's two superstars going at it all the time and us being able to watch them. I think it's absolutely incredible. So- the last one I want to talk about in the International Break Recap is Canada. For those of you that do know me and Andrew were from Canada here in Toronto. Andrew's ripping his uh, his Canada jersey as we speak. They had three massive games for them in the international break. They played Mexico first, then Jamaica, and then Panama last night. Starting with the Mexico game, they played well. Obviously, Mexico's a top side. They're probably going to finish first or second in this CONCACAF World Cup qualifying group alongside the States. Mexico... They had us on the ropes for a while. However, we could have broken the deadlock at 1-1 and actually scored a goal that gave us three points. However, it wasn't the case. We ended up drawing 1-1. Same thing with Jamaica. We had our moments. We had our chances. Couldn't finish. And this game ended nil-nil. And then yesterday night versus Canada, I actually had the privilege to go out to BMO Field and watch this game. It was an absolutely phenomenal game. I thought it was great to be there in that atmosphere watching this game. The, let me tell you guys, the atmosphere was crazy. Like I was on my field. I was on, on my field. I was on my feet for longer than I was sitting down. Like it was just absolutely nuts. The fans there were pushing Canada to win. Panama came out early and scored one, nothing. And it was kind of like, it was, it was scary almost because we didn't know how Canada was going to react. Obviously being at home, there's a lot of pressure on them. They came out Alfonso Davies third consecutive corner crosses it. in. you got a touch on it and ended up going down as an own goal for the Panamanian defense. Then right after that, Alfonso Davies with an absolute wonder goal sprinting 70 yards to score this goal. He was all over the field last night. He was playing left striker, start the game, left mid left cam center back on corners. He was taking corners. Sometimes he's a superstar of this game as a fullback and He's just, he's the only reason why Canada is where they are. I don't want to, I don't want to say that there's other players who aren't, they shouldn't be on this Canadian team, but without Alfonso Davies, I don't think this team is anywhere near where they are right now. Like he's such a phenomenal player to the point where it's like, for those of you growing up playing football, playing soccer, you know, when it's like, you know, you're playing rep, let's say you're playing rep. I'm not really sure what it's called in Europe and you're playing against house league kids. That's literally what it felt and what it looked like. He looked so dominant on the field to the point where it looked like those Panamanian players didn't deserve to be on the same field as him. That's how good he was last night. He was phenomenal. They ended up winning the game 4-1, a massive three points as Panama was sitting in third, um, tied with Canada, and now Canada jumped them. They currently sit in third behind the United States and Mexico. Massive three points. Sorry for the rant, Andrew. Just have to get that all out there.
0: Yeah, Daniel, I was really impressed with this uh, this last uh, international window for Canada. Um, it's really hard to go play in Mexico away at the altitude, you know, uh, against a top team that makes the World Cup every single time. So uh, that was a top performance. I think a draw was was massive for, for Canada. I think that was a step back when you go to play against Jamaica away and we tie uh Liam Miller had a great chance back post he shot it right at the keeper unfortunately couldn't bury that goal um so we ended up drawing against an inferior Jamaica side on a tough pitch with tough conditions uh, you know mm-hmm. the pitch wasn't the best uh um, oh, it was awful it was, it was, it, was, it, was it was pretty bad but um I think that going back home playing at the BMO in Toronto sold out crowd uh, and really delivering uh, a result worthy uh, for the fans and a result that was, was absolutely necessary because Panama's right up there in the standings with them. Canada announced it's in third place with this win. Um, it, it was just what they had to do. They, they went out, they did their business and guys like Steven Vitoria commanding uh, the back line really well. The skipper there, you uh, picking passes and stringing uh, balls together and finding the wingers. um Alfonso Davies really being the guy uh, and you know stepping up to the spotlight and doing his job. That's that's what he did yesterday. I think uh, a guy like Tejan too, Tayshon Buchanan uh, mm-hmm. w- was was phenomenal yesterday, drawing a lot of fouls. Uh, I think it was eight fouls recorded in the game, the most in the game. Um, just really uh, a whole team effort yesterday, and um, this is a real uh, step to build upon for the next window. Obviously, they're gonna go play in Edmonton against. Uh, Costa Rica which is just I think a point or two behind them so that that's another must win and then they also play Mexico in Edmonton so uh, it's going to be a homecoming for Jonathan or not for Jonathan David for Alfonso Davies pardon me Um, and it's one that I'm looking forward to coming uh, this November so exciting stuff from Canada
1: Managers on the hot seat we got a new little segment for you guys we're just going to talk about two managers we're going to highlight these two managers we got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Steve Bruce, the two managers, are going to be talking about today. We think they're on the hot seat.
0: Oh, Daniel, for sure they're on the hot seat. 100%.
1: 100%. First manager we're going to talk about, Ole. Ole Is at Ole wheel. at the wheel? Is he at the wheel, Andrew?
0: Daniel, I got some interesting stats here. 142 matches as a manager for Manchester United. He has 76 wins, 32 draws, and 34 losses. That's not too bad. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But he also has... A final of Europa League defeat against Real mm-hmm. that's on his resume as well. You know that's that's a terrible, uh, you know, missed opportunity for the club. Um, and then I just want to go through some notable missed points this year: Southampton one-one draw, Young Boys two-one loss in the Champions League, mm-hmm. West Ham one-nil loss in the Carabao Cup, uh, Villa L in the league one-nil. So this year they have seven missed points, seven draw points. Um, Daniel, is is it time for United to start looking for a replacement for Ole? Is he the right man for this this squad and what they're looking for? And then who, who do you think would be an ideal replacement? I want to know.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, when Ole first came in, I was okay with him being manager. I felt like he's a club legend, club icon. So give him a shot. You see like other clubs kind of doing this. The one manager I want to point out right away is Pirlo. He was a club legend for Juventus. He came into that team, you know, they didn't have the greatest year. Maybe the players, he wanted to play the style that he didn't have the players for. Ended up getting sacked the next year. I think Ole shows spurts of like greatness as a manager, but then at the same time when you, because I feel like they play, Manchester United play so well, he comes up with great lineups and stuff like that against top teams. But then if you look against, If you look at some of the matchups that we've dropped points in this year, they're against lower tier sides that a team like Manchester United with all the talent that they have on that side should be winning. So I don't know. I'm kind of, it's kind of a 50, 50, like throw up for me almost because if you look at his record, 76 wins, 32 draws, 34 losses, it's not awful. Like I I can't say it's bad, but then if you look at the team that he's had, especially this year, because their team is stacked this year. They should be up there competing with the likes of City and Liverpool for the league, and they are right now. But they've already dropped this many points, and they're still competing with City and Liverpool. I think they're currently sitting in third. Without these drop points, they're about three points or four points up on Liverpool and City and Chelsea. So, I don't know. It's just like I like him sometimes, and then sometimes he... Fe- uh, he makes it me makes feel want like Harold. Yeah, yeah. He makes me feel like he doesn't deserve to be there. Yeah. Going to your question, ideal replacements for him. This is a tough one. Um, I would like to get Conte in here. Although the next manager we're talking about, Steve Bruce, he's linked there as well. Zidane doesn't want any more club. Uh, he doesn't want to add another club to his resume. He wants to go straight to the French international team, which I can understand why. I'm not sure, to be completely honest with you. I know um, if uh, for club, another club legend, Barcelona. He's not a club legend of United. Club legend Barcelona, Xavi. He's been doing excellent in the Saudi Arabian League. I'm not sure if they would want to bring him in because I know eventually he would like to take on that Barcelona seat that Ronald Koeman is currently making a disaster of, but that's a whole other story. There is managers on the market right now. I'll say that. There is managers that... United can bring in that can have this phenomenal squad and take it places. Do I think Ole's that guy? Sometimes he shows like he can
0: be, but I don't think he is. Daniel, I just want to chime in here on this whole Manchester United situation. This is there's some there's some reasons why I don't like Ole. I think this club is a club with many personalities, many egos. And I think they need someone to properly manage the egos. And who better than Zinedine Zidane to do that? He'd done it with Real Madrid. And that's what he did. He came into the club. They had a lot of egos there. You know, he obviously implemented his methodology and some of his tactics there. Um, But it was really about managing egos. And he gets a lot of respect from his players because they know the type of player he is, the legend that he is. I think he'd be an ideal replacement for Ole. Now, let me get to Ole. Ole, what, what conflicts me about some of his tactical... Decisions is that he plays he plays players in weird positions like Pogba. Why are you playing Pogba, who lacks pace, as a left midfielder? I, I don't understand that. Uh, that's something that you know bothers me. Uh, Pogba's best down the middle of the park using his physicality, uh, his his IQ on the ball to string passes together, utilize the flanks and uh, be creative. That's where he's creative down the middle of the park, breaking the lines. Um, I think that's where he works best. And I think that's uh, an error that that uh, that only, you know, puts him in when when he doesn't have wingers available. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that conflicts me. And I also think that uh, in certain situations, the, the club is uh, the team is too passive. I think that um, for, for the club that they are, the players that they have available to them, they need to be more. Uh, hungry on the attack. I feel like a lot of plays die out. Um, there's a lack of support. I think Sancho, you know, needs to find his form. I think that's someone that's been struggling. I think once he picks it up, he'll he'll help the attack. But I, I think there's some there's some gaps in be- when they move from the midfield to the attack. And that's why you see that they have never blown on a team this year, Daniel. They haven't. They have yet to do so. Or maybe, maybe in the first game against Leeds, that's it. But they're coming off of you know, uh, exciting preseason, a lot of, you know, uh, time off. So they were hungry to get that first win. But, you know, we want to see this consistently. We want to see them uh, score some more goals. And that's where they've been lacking this year.
1: I think Rashford coming back is going to help them a little bit. I know he's been out because he didn't want, he wanted to wait on his surgery because he wanted to play for the England international side, which is very understandable. You would want to represent your country. And now he's paying the price for it at the club level because he's been out for for the entire year. He just returned to training, I think last week or this week, and he should help out with that attacking side. But who knows if Ole's the right man? I don't think we'll ever know because he may... I give him till January.
0: I give him till January. See Mm -hmm. where he's doing in the UCL. See where he is in the league. If he's not meeting expectations, he's not at that high level. See you later. It's been your time, you know?
1: Yep, I completely agree. We're going to move on to the next manager here. Steve Bruce. Andrew, is Steve Bruce... The right manager for the Magpies,
0: Daniel. So it's, it's a easy no for me. Um, Steve Bruce, I think that um, you know he doesn't have the right guys at his disposal right now, and mm-hmm. he, he for sure will be able to once the the money starts coming in from this new takeover. Um, but Daniel, I don't like his track record. Track record too much. I think any manager could do well with with talented players in front of him. But uh, I don't like his track record. Daniel, I'm looking at it here. This year, three ties and four losses, has yet to win a single game. Uh, he's got a negative goal difference of minus eight. Um, and Daniel, he's had a losing record with four of the clubs he's managed uh, that's with Huddersfield, Wigan, Sunderland, and Newcastle. Uh, his mm-hmm. all time record with Newcastle in 96 matches uh, managed is 29 wins, Daniel, 25 draws, and a whopping 42 losses. It's not great his tracker doesn't speak well uh so I, I think that this new era new takeover uh there's gonna be lots of money to spend i think they're gonna want a fresh manager at the wheel um you know implementing uh you know uh, uh, a system here so yeah. I, I don't think steve bruce is that guy i think they got to look elsewhere um possible replacements circulating around the news i heard Brendan rodgers they're going to pay his release clause, but that's not happening now. A 16 mil for a manager is just absurd. Uh, but, you know, to them, that's probably pocket change now. So that's probably like 15 mm-hmm. cents on a good day. So yep. um, some possible replacements um, we have listed here that have been linked to the club. Lampard, We know, Lampard's out of a job. Uh, he wants to get back into the Prem, preferably. I see uh, him being an option. Uh, Stevie G. Steven Gerrard, would do do the Liverpool Reds bad like that? Would he go to Newcastle? Uh, we oh. know he wants to coach Liverpool one day. He's always, you yeah. know, loved the club. He's doing a fantastic job with Rangers. They're currently sitting first again. Uh, he won the league last year as well. then man. Undefeated. And then, uh, undefeated. And then yeah. Antonio Conte, that's another option. Daniel, is he bound to be sacked so that the club could start a new era? And who is uh, one of these possible replacements that you, you fancy as a, as a new manager?
1: I think he's going to be sacked very soon, especially because they want I think they want to start fresh for the January transfer window. They're going to start picking up lots of players, spending big money on guys. I think the manager to do so is, I know I said uh Conte last last week because he was at Inter and there was financial difficulties there. So they had he ended up leaving because he wanted to spend money on players, but he wasn't allowed to. So again, I think he'll have the freedom to do so. So he'll be a great choice. However, I like Gerard too, because what he's done at that Rangers side has been nuts over the past two years. And he wants to eventually coach his Liverpool side. So why not show that you can win in the Premier League by starting off at Newcastle and working your way up the chain? If you can win at Newcastle with all this money they're providing you and a team that should be good, I'm going to say hopefully within the next five years, you can prove to the higher-ups at Liverpool that you can manage a top-tier side so i think this is the way that Gerard to do it i think he's the right man for the job and i'd love to see him on this newcastle
0: side daniel i think uh gerard would be a great option um i think that conte is an even better option but for some reason i don't know why but i think lampard might end up there um but but there's some other guys that to think of andre village boas a portuguese coach paul fonseca out of a job another portuguese coach that's uh that are, that are decent track records. And then also Lucien Favre, the former uh, Dortmund manager, is out without a job as well. He's another uh, notable option. that's uh, That that could work well. Um, but I think for some reason, Lampard's going to end up there. I don't know why. It's just the feeling in my gut. And I think Conte is the best man because uh, he really brings that fire, that energy. Uh, he's a very strict coach. Uh, you know, clashes with some players, but um, he's shown that he's he's been able to win and he did it last year with Inter. So I think... Uh, no better man for the job than Antonio Conte right now. And he's he's proved himself in the Premier League before with Chelsea as well. So I think Conte is the right man for the job.
1: Guys, we're going to move on to match day eight predictions. We're going to take a look ahead, starting two days from today, the day we're recording, Saturday. We got lots of games being played this weekend. Of course, players are returning from international duty. And one quick thing I want to say about that, players returning from international duty there's a big thing right now going on in comfortable where they're, I want to say their scheduling slash planning hasn't been the greatest because That's teams, is. teams like Argentina, Brazil teams are playing comfortable. They have games Friday night yep or Friday morning, their time. And they have to make it all the way back to England now to play a game. Like there's players that are playing 30, I think it was 34 to 38 hours later. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a lot of stress on players and it causes injuries, that type of stuff. Like, I think that their planning was horrible. I think that they should have done a lot better knowing that these players need to need to come off international duty, head back to their clubs and play a game on the Saturday or the Sunday.
0: Yeah, like UEFA does it right. They give them enough time, but uh, Coleman Bowl, they've been terrible. Like, they got to think about the players here. Uh, do they want players to to be injured? They're, they might be out for the next international window if it's that serious. You know mm-hmm. it's a lot of stress on the players and it's ruining a relationship between players and the, and the federation, so um, that's it's just been pathetic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
1: So, we're going to rifle off the 10 games that are being played in match day eight, Andrew. I just want to hear who you think is going to win, who you think is when tie, when tie
0: even. loss, when tie loss, we'll do when tie loss, went yeah. t-
1: we'll do win tie loss, and who you think the let's say we're going betting odds, if you're a betting man. What one game are you betting on? This team is going to come out on top no matter what,
0: and we'll just talk about it as we're rifling through. So the first one's Watford-Liverpool, right? Yep. Uh, I'm going to say Liverpool-W. Um, Liverpool-W, yeah. I got
1: Liverpool-W as well. I don't think Watford really stands a chance considering how good this Liverpool side has been all year. Second game, Manchester City versus Burnley. Again, I think another pretty obvious one. Manchester City's going to take the one here.
0: Yeah, Man city dub. Uh, and I, this is the one game I would bet my money on. Man yep, city I'm though. with
1: you. I'm with you completely. I think man said man city. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would take Manchester city all day long. Norwich versus Brighton.
0: Uh, Brighton Norwich has yet to, to get a single point this season. They suck. Uh, no, they've <laughs> drawn actually they're drawn. They suck though. Uh, <laughs> <They do> suck. <laughs> uh and, uh, yeah, Brighton's going to get the win. They've been, brighton has been doing very well, actually this year. They're a top 10 in the league. So, uh, I th- brighton. you
1: know what i'm gonna go a little bit of a hot take here norwich is gonna come up with one point i know they haven't agreed and this is year. why
0: you don't bet on games daniel because <laughs> the, you're
1: this is why i'm not a betting man but norwich is gonna come up with one point brighton coming off a draw to arsenal uh two weeks ago before the international that's break a good result, though. that's a great result it is a good result um but i still think norwich is gonna come out with one point here drawing this game against Brighton. What is his fourth game? Aston Villa versus Wolves. What are you thinking? Uh,
0: I want to say that Wolves are going to win this. I think that. Uh, wow. Yeah, I think that they're going to do it. You know what? Actually, I take that back. Tie. I take a tie because Villa, Hi. Villa won last time out against United, and Villa's been slowly picking up. Mm-hmm. I think it's be a draw. I think it's be a draw. I was
1: going to go with a one 0 Villa win, because I'm saying I mean Martinez is going to keep a clean sheet. We're going to talk about that in like five minutes. Next game, Leicester versus Manchester United.
0: United has to win. So I'm going to say that if they're going to win, I think they're going to win because they, they know they have to win. Coming off this break, coming I, off a loss, they yeah. have to win. So they're, they're, I think they're going to win. And Leicester's been poor. Leicester's been poor too. They've been just as poor as United uh, in terms of, you know, obviously the stature of the club and stuff. They've been mm-hmm. even more poor than United. But yeah, I think, I think uh, United's going to win. Yep,
1: I completely agree. Uh, Manchester out all the way, must win for them to continue up their title races. Especially with Liverpool playing Watford, City playing Burnley. Yeah, and Chelsea Brentford is going to be a massive game. Next game, Southampton versus Leeds. What are you thinking here?
0: Uh, I'm taking. Uh, do, 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 do. I'm gonna say Leeds. I'm you gonna say take Leeds, Leeds, Leeds on this one. Yeah, Leeds started off the season poor, uh, but I think they'll pick it up. They got a great coach in Bielsa. Um, and some really top players there. I think Rafinha is a great player. He's he's been he's been doing very well this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think Leeds are going to take it over Southampton because Southampton have been struggling. Um, they sit at the bottom of the table. I, I'm taking Leeds. Leeds W.
1: I'm going to say this is going to be a nominal draw. Um, I don't think either team has been great this year. I think Leeds is sitting in like 16th and Southampton in 18th or somewhere around like lower half of the table um no no draw there's going to be very little action in this one and it's they're just going to
0: walk away both of them with the one point
1: a massive game well not massive but i think this is going to be probably the game to watch this week brentford versus chelsea
0: yeah don't sleep on brentford bro um brentford have been top this year uh newly mm-hmm. promoted side as we all know uh, but i think Chelsea's going to win chelsea needs to the win they know they have to you know keep up the pace um and i think that lukaku it's going to be too much for that uh, Brentford defense. And I think that Tuchel knows that system. He knows how to uh, counter that three. Uh, they also play a 3-5-2 Brentford. Um, he's going to use a 3-5-2 of his own or a 3-4-3 three, three actually. Um, and I think that they're going to be too overpowering uh, for that Brentford back line. I'm going to go the opposite
1: of you. I'm going to say Brentford comes out with the win here. They're not scared of top six teams, especially that they've been showing it all year. I think they're going to beat Chelsea. Maybe high scoring game 3 2, like maybe like a Liverpool game, Liverpool versus Brentford a couple weeks ago. Um, I think Brentford comes out with three points here, leaving Chelsea in the dust. Seventh game, no, eighth game, Everton versus West Ham. What do you think here?
0: Daniel, I don't know. It's a tough one. West Ham's, uh, they're, they've really uh, been stepping up uh, over the last uh, eight months. Um, Newcastle or Everton, pardon me, is coming off the tie against United. Do, 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 do. I'm going to say this is another draw. I know. I'm going to say a 2 2 draw, something like that. Like a 2 2 1 1 draw.
1: 2 2 draw? That's what you're thinking? Yeah. Um, 2 2 draw. I don't know what to think here. I'm going to say Everton comes out with the three points. Okay. I don't think West Ham can beat them. I know West Ham has been good. As of late, but I think Newcastle or sorry, Everton. We keep getting Newcastle mixed up. Uh Everton is gonna come up with the three points here.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Ninth game, Newcastle versus Tottenham. What do you think here? They've both have been absolutely terrible. Um like he could flip the point on this one. Um maybe with this new takeover, the players are excited, they're 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 seeing a new era ahead of them. Maybe maybe they're gonna come out with the win here. I think Newcastle win. This is my like sleeper pick of the week. I'm Newcastle. I'm going Hingeman's son hat trick, three 0 Oh wow, you're the op- complete opposite. eh? Complete opposite. I'm seeing like a Matt Ritchie, um, <laughs> like terrible like goal going in the back of the net, and like they they're going nuts. Like that's that's the result I see. And the last game,
1: Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. I'm gonna come straight out. Arsenal's losing this one. Crystal Palace dub, massive three points. Crystal Palace.
0: Uh, I'm going to go the opposite of you here. I think that this London Derby is one that uh is going to want. Um, they're coming off a, a decent result. Oh, no, they tied, actually, the last time Brighton, sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's actually a bad result for them. But um, I think that they're going to win against Crystal Palace. I think so. I think so.
1: We're going to move on to our last segment of the episode, best fantasy picks. We're just going to rifle through three quick fantasy players that we think should definitely be in your lineup this this week,
0: Daniel. Andrew, I got my pick, I got it? my pick. I got my pick here, and I think it's a good one. Uh, he's not overpriced. He's valued at six point four million within the Premier League uh, fantasy uh, world. There, um, it's it's not than the, the Leander uh, Um top player uh, plays on the wing, striker uh, in real life, but he's listed as a midfielder on the app. Um, so you know, he's going to get you more points for a goal. Um, he's got, uh, what is it here? He's got 27 fantasy points um, this season. He's got more than Grealish. Mm-hmm. He's got more than Bernard Silva. He's got more than Havertz. So just putting that to perspective for you, at 6.4, you're getting a, a player that's going to produce uh, more than these guys that cost more. Um, and then Norwich, they average two goals against per game this season. So I think this is a a great opportunity to have a guy like that cheap midfielder counts as a striker in real life though. Um, And he's going to score goals. I think he's going to score goals because they're, they've been poor. They're averaging two goals against the game. So more, most likely he's going to, he's going to pop in the, or get an assist. So I think that's a great pick for this week.
1: So we got a midfielder. I'm moving back to the back line. The back is the back Our keepers. (laughs) Um, I think Emiliano Martinez, he's going to be a great keeper option this week. They're playing Wolves. Wolves has had trouble scoring all year, especially with Raul Jimenez coming back into this team, you know, coming off horrible head injury. He hasn't picked up where he left off. I think they're going to shut them out. Milan Martinez is going to get a nice little shutout on his record, and he's going to be a great pick for your fantasy lineups. Last player. This is the riskiest one of all of them, not because of who he is, but just because of what we talked about before with common ball, messing up schedules and stuff like that. Who knows if he's even going to play. Gabriel Jesus, he's in form right now. He's been fantastic. He's played seven games for City. He hasn't even started most of those, and he has six goals. It's risky because it's just like hopefully he plays. Hopefully he makes it back on time for the game, first of all. Then hopefully they start him, which is even more of a risk. And you do know if he does start, he's going to put up points. He's currently sitting 10th in Premier League top players for fantasy. He has 41 points tied with Sadio Mane. He's been great this year, especially coming off the bench. And he, I think, and Andrew thinks that he's going to be one of the best fantasy picks next week.
0: Yeah, that's a decent pick, Gabriel. He's just there. Just a little risky, like you said, but yeah, he's, he's been producing, so. And guys, that about wraps up the episode. Dang, another episode done. Check us out on our socials. We're always on uh, every platform, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're, we're everywhere, Daniel. Wherever you guys want to hear us, listen to us,
1: interact with us, even on social media, Instagram, we're there. Wherever you
0: guys want us to be, just know we're always there. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Yet another episode. We'll see you for next week for episode four with some Premier League action. That's all for today. See you guys next time. See you later.